Hey friends, it's Shauna, your nerdy girlfriend and counselor from simpleonpurpose.ca. Welcome to the Simple On Purpose podcast. So welcome, new friends, old friends. This is a podcast for anyone looking to be more intentional with how they are living. And we talk about ways that you can declutter the home, the heart, the life in order to make space to get rid of the distractions and the clutter and make space for the important things, the things that matter to you. And to let you know who I am, if you're new here, I'm Shauna, I am a Canadian, and I am a mom of three, as well as a counselor, and um, I've been blogging for about a decade at Simple On Purpose, where we talk about decluttering, intentional living, and motherhood, and I offer coaching and counseling services online. I'm an online counselor, if you are looking for an online counselor or coach. All right, so today I want to share some of my favorite words with you. And these are not English words, but these are words that you might have seen floating around the internet. Maybe you haven't heard some of them. They are words that um, I've picked up through the years, and I've probably shared about some of them, and I've just pondered on them. And I'm sharing these specific words. There's going to be nine of them for two reasons. The first reason is that they are words that embody a lot of the concepts we talk about here. Finding balance, being mindful, um, the simple pleasures of life, and, and really building up a life based on meaningful things, things that are meaningful to you. And I also chose them because they give a name. They give a name to something that sometimes can be intangible, to an emotion or an experience that can be hard to name. And as a counselor, I know that naming things has so much value. You might have heard it said, name it to tame it. Um, this is also called affect labeling. I made a recent blog post about it. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. But naming something, naming an emotion, naming an experience, it's a core skill that we can all use because when we name something, we can categorize it. We can give it meaning. Naming an emotion is so important for our well-being. And any time that I have named an emotion, and there are times where I couldn't actually pinpoint it, and someone else looking into my life, my best friend, my husband, my own wonderful counselor, when they were able to offer what that emotion could be and we could name it, it was like relief. Like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's what I'm feeling. And with clients and in the blog post that I'll share, I use this analogy of how important it is to name our emotions. So let's use an example. Let's imagine that you have some symptoms that like maybe a weird pain in your stomach, it's achy, it's hot, it's grumbly, and, but you don't know what it is. You don't know what's causing it. You don't know what to do about it. How is that experience for you? It's probably unnerving. You'd feel uncomfortable with all those sensations you're having. Your brain might be spinning or you might just try to ignore it or you might just start running around doing all of the things you can think of to just make it go away. And that's what it can be like when we don't name our emotion. We just have all these uncomfortable sensations in our bodies. They can feel overwhelming. They can feel wrong. They definitely feel uncomfortable. Now contrast that to in a situation where you notice you've got a runny nose, a sore throat, you're coughing, maybe your eyes are watering. You could go to the doctor um, for some help, or you could just tell yourself, I have a cold. <laughs> like this is a cold. And just naming it, you know what's happening. You have relief. Like, okay, I know what I'm feeling. I know what to expect. You don't have to panic. You know how to deal with a cold. When you can name something you know what you're dealing with and ideally you know what tools to use or what you need to do about it. Okay, 
little counseling moment over. <laughs> if you have questions or thoughts on that, please bring them into the Facebook group. I'd, I'm always happy to talk more about that. Now on to beautiful words that embody simple living and inspire mindfulness. The first one, you've heard me talk all about it. Let's just have a recap. It is huga. If you read it, it looks like the word haig. Um, and huga is a Danish word, and it doesn't have that direct English translation, but it embodies this sense of coziness, comfort, connectedness, and it's more than just a word, right? It's a cultural concept that really fills up um, that experience of warmth and contentment, intimacy, equality, especially with your loved ones. And I've written a lot about this in the past. One of my most popular posts ever is Huga versus minimalism because they are a bit different. Some of my favorite Huga moments of late are sitting around with my family at the end of the day when everyone's finally home from all their activities and we're kind of in the kitchen living room zone and maybe there's music playing and I've turned some of the lights down because I'm hoping people will start getting tired and we're just chatting. It's just slow and quiet and easy, easy-ish, you know, I do want to get the kids to bed, but they don't want to. Another moment that I've really loved lately is being at a restaurant booth with my besties and it's a rare experience that we finally all get to one place and we're at this little booth and it's got this little candle and we've got the menus but we're too busy just catching up to even look at the menus and that's just a real huga moment. Another favorite one that happens for me a lot is that time of night where we spend time with each of our kids and usually we play cards with them. So we're sitting on their beds and they're bundled up in the blanket and I've got the cards dealt out and they've turned their twinkle lights on and they're like bedside light on and it's just like the lights are down and it's just this cute little moment. So that's that's the feeling that you get from Huga. Um, I do have a list of 30 ways to Huga in cold weather. I'll make sure to link that in the show notes. It's a great way to bring some coziness into your winter. The next word is fika. This is a Swedish word, and it is about taking a break to enjoy a coffee and a treat with a friend and just appreciating the moment, appreciating the conversations. And this is actually one of my hobbies. <laughs> my hobby is to fika. My husband will even buy me a little treat and I don't really have a sweet tooth, but he'll bring it home and he'll say, this is for your fika. And so I make a point to do that. Fika is just all about mm, slowing down and just being with your people and just like that simple pleasure that you can get in that moment. The next word, another Swedish word is lagom. And that kind of roughly translates to just the right amount or sufficient. And it embodies this idea of balance, moderation, just having the right amount of things. It's often used to describe a lifestyle or attitude that it's avoiding extremes, right? It's not about extremes. It's about contentment. It's about just enough and that kind of harmony and balance, whether it's about work or relationships or just your personal well-being. And this is something um, that's ingrained in Swedish culture. It really reflects that value of moderation and collective welfare. I think this is a word a lot of us struggle with, especially in North American culture, where we have so much all or nothing thinking with how we approach our lives. And I see all or nothing thinking in most clients that I work with because we have it in so many subtle ways. Let's say we ate one thing we didn't plan on. Okay, whole diet out the window. Or we couldn't work out for that whole hour, so why bother for the 15 minutes? or we can't take a weekend off to declutter our basement, so don't even worry about doing one shelf. 
we might experience it with just how we show up in relationships or a day where maybe there was a weird interaction, a conflict or a hard moment of the day and just everything feels off then. It really is a very common cognitive distortion, this all or nothing thinking. And moderation can be really hard for us. It can be hard for us to accept just enough, especially in the productivity culture, the busy culture, the consumerism culture. We might struggle with how to rest and play in moderation. We might struggle with how to eat in moderation. We definitely can struggle with how to use social media in moderation. And so I really love that there is a whole cultural approach to this, that um, Lagome is just an offering of a different way to approach life without those extremes. I especially love this word because my grandpa always said to us, everything in moderation, and um, he passed away a few years ago, and I had a dream about him, I think last year, where he told me, <laughs> okay, don't drink too much whiskey, just a little bit. <laughs> and I thought that was so adorable because that was just how he approached life, everything in moderation. The next word is a Finnish one, and I've shared it before, maybe about five years ago, I was reading a book called The Finnish Way. Um, and so one of my earliest podcast episodes, I was sharing about that. And sisu is a Finnish word, and sisu is the word for grit, resilience, courage, determination, like it, um, going into the challenge. I think it actually pairs nicely with huga, where we're resting and connecting. But then sisu, also doing that hard things and having some grit in life, which I always think about when winter is coming. When I talked about this book a while back, I mentioned that the book contrasts um, our cultures with the Finnish culture and the Canadian culture of how we can have a learned helplessness in our culture. And Sisu can be a different approach where we are doing the hard things that make our life better and our bodies healthier. When I read this book, I wanted to think of ways that I could embrace more Sisu in my life. And one of the things it got me doing is adding in a cold rinse to my showers, not a long one and not doing it always, but there are times when I'm like, I just know I need a little bit more grit and I want to kind of like grow that resiliency <laughs> and just something as simple as turning the shower to cold and letting it blast over you. It, I feel like it's growing my Sisu <laughs> slowly over time. All right, we're just over halfway through this list, and the next word is a Japanese word, wabi-sabi, wabi-sabi, which is about finding beauty in the imperfections, in the imperfections of life, in the imperfection of items, and appreciating that things are impermanent, things wear down, things age and wear. And from what I've read about it, it can really contrast our consumerism, our need for perfection, youth, symmetry, flawlessness. All of the things we're told that we always have to be and how our homes have to look and, and that kind of sentiment. There's an aesthetic to wabi-sabi and that aesthetic is natural, slightly imperfect. You know, maybe there's a paint drip or a roughness. Um, things are worn down. Things are not symmetrical. You might see pictures of the broken pottery and it's mended with gold. This is also considered a wabi-sabi aesthetic. At the heart of it, though, is embracing that that imperfections, the wear and tear, that nothing, none of this is permanent and we don't need to make it otherwise. Here is one of my favorite words because it's, again, one of my favorite hobbies. If you've been around the Simple Saturdays email, you know one of my favorite hobbies is staring out the window at trees or just staring at trees, particularly staring at how the light passes through the trees. And as each season comes and goes, and I get four seasons here, the light changes, 
through the trees. The color changes, the intensity changes. And if there are sunbeams, well, geez, I'm pretty sure God's like talking to me through sunbeams. And I try to capture it in a picture and show my family and tell them they just, they don't even know how majestic it is (laughs) to me. That is just one of the simple pleasures of life that I'll never capture. I'll never get it in a photo. I'll never get in words. And there's a word for it. Komorebi. It's a Japanese word that doesn't have that direct English translation, but it refers to the way the sunlight streams through the leaves of the trees. Oh, just so beautiful. Okay, I have a German word for you, and <laughs> I had to look up how to pronounce it. I'm still going to get it wrong, so I'm going to say it once, and then you can read how it is spelt. Wadansamkeit. It's a German term that translates to forest solitude, but the meaning is more than just forest solitude. It goes kind of beyond that, and it captures that profound emotional experience of being alone in the woods, surrounded by nature, feeling that connectedness connectedness to nature, almost even maybe a spiritual experience. And you know, one of my favorite smells is a warm pine forest. It's grounding. It's nostalgic for something I don't even know I'm longing for until I smell it. So this concept is always a great reminder for me that I want to be out in nature. I need to make that happen more in my life. And there's even a a growing movement um, in therapy for a modality called forest bathing or nature therapy. Forest bathing is a Japanese practice, but there's even more interest and more science growing about it. How even the molecules that the trees emit in the forest can impact our well-being. So next time you find yourself in a park or an area with more green than gray, take a minute, breathe it in, soak up that atmosphere, your forest bathing. I have two more to share with you. The next one is Kaizen. It's a Japanese term and it translates to change for the better or continuous improvement. Originally, it was about manufacturing and business practices. But there's a partner phrase that you often hear with this and it is 1% better each day. I think we can apply it to our whole lives, really. And if you've listened for a while, you've heard me say, small things matter, doing small things matter. And a concept like this really reminds us that the small things we do add up. That's called the compound effect. I like to think of the metaphor of a big ship, and it's going to a destination over a long ways, and it's going to make micro shifts to its course. And just a micro shift can totally take it to a different direction over that whole destination, over that whole journey. And I like to think of it this way. If there's something that we are doing often, then we can think every time that we're going to show up for it, what's one little shift I can make to improve this? Whether it's, uh, I always have to have this kind of conversation. What's one little way I can show up differently or making dinner every day, right? We're always doing that. What's one little way I can make this easier for myself? I think this also, again, challenges our all-or-nothing thinking. We don't have to find that one key thing to overhaul in our lives, which we kind of want that. We kind of want that one big answer, that one solution that's going to make everything better instead of doing the small changes over time. And when we're working on anything in our lives, we can just start with one simple thing. I have episodes I've shared about this in the past. I'll make sure to link them in the show notes. The last one is a word that I actually hadn't heard before, but when I came across it, I thought, I'm going to add this to the list. And that word is meraki, a Greek word that is about doing something with your soul, with your creativity, with your love, and really putting a piece of yourself, leaving a piece of yourself into something. It reminds me of that verse, whatever you do, do with all your heart. And a concept like this, it goes beyond just going through the motions, but about doing things 
with a genuine, wholehearted passion. Can you think of people in your life who do this? I have a couple of people in my life who go all in on what they do, and it is impressive. And I think too of my, one of my kids, my daughter, how over the years she's created art and she's just really put herself on a page or a box or something, whatever she's making, of course, with that trail of glitter and paint stains behind her. I love this notion of having passion, putting your heart into things. What would you love to put your heart into? What would you love to do with more passion? I think it's hard for us. I think there's a lot of reasons why this can be hard for us. For some of us, we've turned it off. We've been burned. We might not see the point. We might feel it's frivolous. We might had it shut down in ourselves over the years, or we're just really tired, right? And I'm not saying this is easier or possible for all of the things in our lives, but I think it's something we can be mindful of. We can work on bringing in more passion and more purpose into the way we approach our lives. So those are my words for you. I, I hope that there's been at least a couple that have inspired you, that have made you see that um, the things that we're trying to do with simple living, with mindful living, with intentional living, that there are whole cultural concepts outside of maybe our North American culture that really embrace this. So I made each of these words into a screenshot graphic and you can go to the show notes Sign up for those downloads and you can just put one on your phone. If there's one you want to be working on, you can rotate through them and you can have them on your phone to remind you about the things that you felt are important to kind of pay attention to right now. So I have a few things for you. Of course, always the show notes. There are transcripts with every show, um, with, every, with every episode at the bottom of the post, there's transcripts unedited. So there might be a few spelling mistakes. There's also the Simple Christmas Planner. Christmas is coming up and the Simple Christmas Planner has been out for a number of years and it helps you sort through your ideas, your expectations. It's full of ideas as well and different um, things you can do for gift ideas, tradition ideas, all those kinds of things. And it's a place for you to kind of brain down, maybe get the family involved. And there's also calendars that you can start planning with. And I updated it for this year and I also made the calendars fillable to use for any year. So I took out the dates and you can use that year after year. So the Simple Christmas Planner is there in the show notes. Um, you can also find it at the Life on Purpose academy.ca where the digital versions of my workbooks are we've got the life on purpose workbook homemaker on purpose workbook <laughs> summer on purpose and the simple christmas planner we've got one for all the seasons all of we've got you covered we've got you covered and finally i would like to encourage you to leave a rating and review on your podcast player it's not something i've asked for in a long time um, but it is something that is valuable for podcasters to get their show out there and to kind of also hear back from you to have um, my words echoed back to me from you guys to know what you're listening to, what you like, what you want to hear more of, um, what has helped you. I love to come across those. If you get a chance to leave a rating and review, it is greatly appreciated. All right, friends, have a great week. Bye.